0: You're listening to Chris Farrell's On Watch podcast from Judicial Watch. I'm Chris Farrell, and this is On Watch. Welcome, everybody, to On Watch, the Judicial Watch podcast, where we take a deep dive on topics that the mainstream media would choose to just slide right on by, where we try to recover lost history and explain the inexplicable. Thank you for taking time to join us today. Uh, Be sure if you're watching us on YouTube or Rumble, Uh, to subscribe to us if you're listening on a pod on one of the podcast platforms like spotify be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating we'd like to get your feedback on how this uh, show goes and who we'd like to see today we have got a real treat for you we're joined by my friend and colleague jonathan alexander who is senior counsel for government affairs at Liberty Council. Jonathan, welcome to On Watch. Thanks so much for having me. I Great to have you it. with us. Likewise. All kinds of stuff to talk about. I think so. We can talk about public policy stuff. We can talk about legal questions. We can talk about the courts and candidates and it's almost an endless list. But um, I think right off the top, because only because I saw so much news coverage mm. and, and I wanna say Twitter, but I guess X <laughs> uh, feed on it. It seems like everybody's getting all wound up again to go back into COVID world. Yeah. Your organization has done some tremendous work, very important work with respect to COVID and the military. Give our viewers and listeners a little feel for the, the kind of stuff you're doing.
1: Sure, certainly is. At the onset of COVID, it was reactionary from governors, of course, from the then sitting president. Um, as to what was actually happening. But then you saw a sudden surge of authoritarianism, tyranny coming out of uh, all branches of government, including uh, the Department of Defense. And in August of 2021, you saw a widespread requirement that every service member had to be vaccinated with this aborted fetal tissue concoction uh, that many had religious exemptions or uh, religious desires not to participate in it. Right. uh, The military, uh, despite, you know, when you go through boot camp, you are given shots on either arm. You sort of walk through a gauntlet of getting shots, but you also always have an exit ramp. You have the ability to say no to certain things based on your religious convictions. And so that ought to have applied to these service members as well, but not under COVID. We saw Secretary Austin have a blanket rule that if you weren't injected with this shot, you could no longer serve. And it's the drama by which they Uh, had these service members endure basically interrogations uh, by by chaplains, by uh, JAG officers, forcing them to choose between their faith and ultimately uh, the service that they wanted to commit to this nation. And so we got involved early on. We would hold at the outset just conference calls where we would have uh, service members call in and they would ask questions. And then it got to 600, 700 service members that were calling in each night. And so we had to split up the calls between several attorneys then we realized we just had to file suit. We had to go after the Department of Defense. And so we did. We filed a comprehensive lawsuit. We filed it for all six branches of the military, including the Space Force, who had members uh, that were being separated. Uh, our most forward case was our Marine case, where we were able to win injunctions, stays on them applying uh, this unconstitutional order against Marines.
0: And, the, and what that really, that timeout is what that really is. It's the court saying,
1: Take no further action. Stand by. Hold. Stop. Yeah, exactly right. And which would be fine, I think, in certain regards, injunctions work to people's benefits in the civilian world. In the military world, it means you're just where you are. And so even if you're going to your next duty station, you don't get orders to where you can move to next. Uh, the military not moving you. You're, we had members having to pay out of pocket for their Hotels, uh, you know, their their families not able to travel with them, uh, not able to travel to get additional training. And so there were issues of, of whether or not they'd be able to increase in rank. Uh, a holding pattern for a military member, or a service member, was not a good place to be. But that's and probably I, as best as we can And, be and
0: besides the holding pattern, I think it's important
1: because I
0: also heard communications from folks. There were all sorts of intimidation yeah. and mind games and sort of... Stalinist tactics that were used against military members who had a legitimate religious conviction that they didn't want to take the shot. And they they really got jerked around oh, all kinds of little twisted games to pressure them, to exclude them, to mark them.
1: Give a couple of examples, yeah. so as as young as uh, privates or even cadets, guys that were in military training schools. They're, they're early out at first introduction to the military, and they're being, you know, having pressure from peers, as it were. But but certainly the command challenging their ability or their commitment to serve the nation just based on their religious convictions. And so you saw uh, individuals not quite in hostile interrogation settings, but but really having you know, your commanding officer having a chaplain. Uh, asked particular details about your faith, uh, which is something that America has never done. There's never been a religious test to be able to participate in the military. Certainly the First Amendment has always given individuals a way out not to do something. Uh, But you you saw so much pressure coming down from the top. And it was, if you sort of reverse engineered to see where it was coming from, it was the higher ups. It was as far up as Secretary Austin really putting the squeeze on on the men and women of, of our service who just wanted to continue serving the country. And so I heard
0: stuff like people couldn't use certain facilities on posts, or they weren't permitted to, uh, you know, they couldn't access the PX or the commissary. Exactly right. There were just efforts to manipulate and to pressure and to stigmatize people, uh, you know, under the grounds of, well, this is a health and safety issue. Right. And it, it, was, it wasn't. It was, it was never health and, and It was safety. intimidation. It was, it was manipulation.
1: It was a lot of gamesmanship, really. Yeah. No, you're you're absolutely right in that. Certainly the, you know, so, so the the isolation, placing people away from their units, um, causing them as it would as as it were for them to be derelict in their duty, not being able to perform the tasks that they signed up to perform, that they were trained to perform uh, based on this vaccine, and so you had instances, minimal instances of individuals not being able to sit with. Uh, you know their, their unit in the mess halls, but as great as not being able to go on missions with them, or right. uh, probably, and I've mentioned this before, uh, the one situation that was continuous was, uh, we're just not going to move you. You're going to be stuck in your prior duty station, um, and if you don't show up, as you well know, you're, you're Daryl. You're, you're not showing up to your next assignment. But we're not giving you an assignment. We're not going to move you, even if it's halfway across the country. And you're going to have to start paying for your family to stay at hotels. That, when it affected the family, when it affected uh, the service member's ability to to do the job that they signed up to do, that's when it got egregious. So, DoD changed its policy. Uh, yeah, they were they were forced to, as it were. Uh, and we did have a fight in Congress. Um, our group, uh, there were a group of retired generals, the stars that advocated pretty heavily for, I think what could have been the entire pie that NDAA in 2022 uh, had the opportunity to have uh, all this go away, they could have restored individuals, they could have given them back pay, they could have ended, uh, as it were these orders, we got probably 40% of what we wanted in terms of of them through the NDAA uh, fixing limiting secretary austin from his order rescinding it um it didn't go as far in saying that he could never bring it back um what it did in uh the legislative circle kind of affected us in the legal sphere as well because you had judges now saying well didn't you guys get everything you wanted from congress why are you still in court we had to go back to court several times and say, no, you you don't understand. There are so many more service members that haven't been fixed and the lid is still off. At any point, Secretary Austin can walk back in and decide that he wants to punish these individuals again. And so what Congress did was fine and we we lobbied. They could have obviously done more. Senator Cruz had a great amendment that would have fixed this thing in its entirety. It's been uh, voted down twice now, (laughs) two opportunities uh, that Congress had.
0: You talk about disconnected from reality. They don't understand the impact on families. They have no understanding of the impact. You know, this is not just people moving around on a board that they, it's not a game. You have some highly trained and qualified, specialized uh, service members, people like fighter pilots. Exactly right. People like Navy SEALs or Delta guys who have gone through, you know, decades of training. Exactly right. Millions of dollars expended on their Professional development, education, skill set, and they're being told, "Nah, beat it, get out of here."
1: Yeah, you, you don't or, just replace a guy like that,
0: or, or people that are at the eighteen-year mark of right. their career.
1: Th- that, that was difficult seeing, you know, lieutenant colonels that are given their n- entire lives, adult lives to service, just being dismissed. Yeah, um, goodbye, goodbye,
0: good luck, and nothing, nothing for it. Yeah. Um, so, w- I, I mean, I can the the drumbeat's already going. There's whispers and there's memos and there's talk about, you know, oh, well, we got to be ready for the next wave. Uh, I mean, it's performance art. It it, it is this virtue posturing uh, medical hysteria uh, that they're getting teed up. And And, and they're doing it this fall so that they can do it next fall, meaning election right around the election
1: time. You're absolutely right. Because they're trying
0: to condition the public. It's all psychological conditioning. It's all gamesmanship. So uh, what's your feel on on where we are? What what do you see Uh, happening or unfolding
1: from a very I guess a uh, practical monetary standpoint, there's PPP money still out there and there are vaccines that have been bought that they need to sell, right? And so at a very practical level, government wants to get a return on the investment that it gave to Pfizer and to Moderna for, for the vaccines. So that a lot of the push is that. And you ask uh, hospital executives, they'll say the same thing. They're just ramping it up to get the, these vaccines that they've already bought. Uh, out to the public. So there's that practically. But the tyranny and authoritarianism is uh, it's addictive. Uh, The control that they had over the masses, their ability to shut down churches for the first time in American history to say uh, that churches couldn't meet their ability to to track people and follow them. But liquor
0: stores and abortion abortion clinics, marijuana, that was essential. But being able to go to a church and worship no
1: way. Uh, you could
0: shut that down.
1: You could protest with a hundred thousand people, literally on the street. But right. if you if you stood shoulder to shoulder with someone and decided to worship God, you were you were not allowed to do that. We had several cases. We had to go up to the Supreme Court four times on behalf of churches, finally winning a comprehensive victory against the state of California. Governor Newsom, of course, as he'd have lavish parties, wouldn't allow more than ten people to gather in a Bible study in their own homes. Right. So we right. had to fight that and win that, but uh two things occurred during covid uh we saw how easy it was for the american public to say because of fear we're going to allow government to control areas of our lives that they have no constitutional authority to do so and second uh, you saw that when push comes to shove if government wants to single out certain activities that it doesn't like uh it will use as much force as law as it wants to in order to try to do that and the fact that we're returning back to the early days of twenty twenty is is frightening. Um, I, I don't think Americans will have the tolerance for it this time. Uh, I think the covid nineteen narrative hopefully has been spun out, but the playbook is already there. They can rinse and repeat, as you said, this fall. They can do it next fall with something uh, if it's climate or something else they want to add to it, right. They can rinse and repeat this playbook anytime that they want. yeah,
0: that's really that is the huge danger to me is that. You know, once the uh, the organs of the state, right, right. become empowered and start to uh, be engaged, uh, your objection, resistance, refusal, I mean, they, they try to move yep. people, not just to persons that are uncooperative, but this is really an effort to criminalize people, right. just like All the drama, all the hysteria over the four separate indictments of Trump. It's not just the indictment of Trump. They're trying to indict people, not literally, but metaphorically, indict people who are Trump supporters. They're criminalizing people. Because if you like him, or you believe in him, or you support him, well, then you're a criminal, right? right? Because that's, I mean, that is their push. And again, it's psychological conditioning. Because you I saw this one phony on Fox, a uh, uh, big never Trump or Cavuto who, who, who threw up a question to her. Somebody said, well, you know, he's been indicted four times. Ninety one counts. Yeah. He's saying he didn't do anything. Come on. I mean, this is. They're offering this as some sort of logic. Yeah. That well, something must be wrong because they said it so many times. And uh, you know, this is Stalin again. This right. is you know, show me the man, I'll show you the crime. Right. And if I dig far enough and hard enough, I'll find something. You know, you didn't pay a parking ticket from 15 years ago. Oh, well, that's a felony. You know. Yeah.
1: No, um, you're 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 absolutely right to that point. I, I would just say to that effect, just to the criminalization of the average American. Look at what Department of Homeland Security uh, said were were threats, terroristic threats. Parents at school boards, right. individuals that wanted to make their own medical decisions via COVID. Uh, you know, these, or if you had questions, legitimate questions asked and wanting to be answered about the election, you were considered a threat by Department of Homeland Security. And then uh, look at how they have treated pro-lifers. The Department of Justice going after the homes, the private homes of of individuals that are protesting for life. Uh, so they're already there. They're already criminalizing individuals that, yes, you know, believe in what Trump brought to this country, but have an overall conservative. Uh, free freedom loving view of this nation. They've already criminalized us. So uh, as we
0: record this just last evening was uh, uh, the Republican debate and what I found enormously entertaining and uh, uh, just rich with irony. Uh, Mr. Trump goes on with Tucker Carlson and just crushes the numbers on views. Um, and
1: not even on cable. Cable TV, we no, yeah, to log being, in to find it. it being yeah. X'd or
0: tweeted or whatever the right word is. Imagine that. Um, so uh, give me your, what's, what's your take? What's your view of the, the Tucker Trump uh, interview and then the debate?
1: Yeah, well, I think Trump proves, every time he opens his mouth, he proves why he's the front runner. There's uh, a man who has a meta-narrative, understands from the very big picture what this country needs and the direction not to go in, but can also get into the weeds. One of the things I appreciated about so much during his administration is just how detailed he was, um, you know, down to the drapes, as it were, you know, <laughs> yeah. down to the, to the mechanics of how things worked, and that's that's so important to have uh, an executive that has a meta narrative, but also can get down into the weeds, and he he proves that every time he talks. Uh, what was proven on the debate stage is that any one of the individuals there are much more competent than the sitting president. And so any any one of them. The potted plant is more competent than the <laughs> sitting right. president. I was, I was being generous. <laughs> he's, he's up the street. Um, but but yeah, anyone can do a better job than what we've seen. And uh, I, I did like the gamesmanship. Politics is, enter- is entertainment. Yeah. And, and so we got some of that. Um, when it got to the issues there, there's not much difference in terms of uh, Where this country needs to go in terms of the Republican conservative view of where this country needs to go Certainly, it can't repeat the failures of the past three years. There's not much difference between them It's a matter of who's time-tested who's going to be true to their word and who has the gall to actually get into office and make those Changes we already have an experience with President Trump where we saw that right so right
0: I was watching uh, so I obviously I watched uh, at 855 I was watching Tucker and Trump and then I jumped in to see the Republicans, uh, you know, this, the, the team team B or C or D, yeah. uh, you know, uh, what I'm a standard by is the level of ignorance hmm. on the part of uh, that or they're just terribly. I mean, there's three ways to look at it. They're either ignorant, they're terribly misinformed or they're lying. Hmm. Because uh, particularly in the in the realm of foreign affairs mm-hmm. and national security matters, I heard these impassioned uh, remarks about Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine. And and look, I wish nothing bad for Ukraine. They were wrongfully, illegally invaded. They have the right to their own country. Don't get me wrong. I'm not any kind of an apologist of for uh, for Putin or anything like that. But but I am an America first guy. Right. So. Uh, a lot of high drama on Ukraine, not a lot of discussion on our own border. Right, absolutely right. Uh, the immigration crisis that we face, the impacts and the consequences for Americans, yeah. native born here and now for generations, or, or not, even if they're recent immigrants, I don't yeah. care. But if they're lawfully here, why do their rights and their interests? Why do they matter less? Right,
1: or. We're treating our our citizens as second class citizens in comparison to the efforts that we want to make across the pond. Uh, Worthy efforts, of course. The fight that the Ukrainians have put up, well worth it. Everyone knows the situation that, you know, if they cross into a NATO country, that's going to activate us immediately. But but
0: even that argument is preposterous. Hmm. Putin can't get out of four eastern provinces of Ukraine. That's very true. He's not gonna invade NATO and he's yeah, not yeah. a moron. If he goes into a NATO country, the odds go from this phony surrogate proxy war to 32 countries yeah. on one. I think you're absolutely right. And it's good perspective. He, he doesn't have, I mean, he yeah. doesn't have a suicide wish. Yeah. He wants his chunk of Ukraine that historically, ethnically, culturally, I mean, you could go on and on. For whatever reason, it's been back and forth for hundreds of years, that chunk of ground just like frankly the Germans and the French French over Alsace Lorraine it's exchanged hands you know over hundreds of years several times but that isn't the point this yeah. phony narrative of on to the full the gap in germany right. is a lie it's an enormous lie and they I keep so. repeating it hoping that the american public is stupid enough to buy it or yeah. get it. so i mean that that i find that very dishonest okay. Um, and I, it, it's irritating to me to listen to them, <laughs> it, you know, base an argument on this yeah. thing.
1: That, that's a false premise. Um, that's that's a strong point. But to, to your point about about the border, it obviously is an invasion. Um, one thing that's not often talked about is the amount of Chinese nationals that are down at the border. Chinese spies Tremendous. that are being you know, arrested uh, at a time. It was the Islamic Jihad that we we're worried about. We saw some of the activities of the cartel really mirror what they do in the Middle East. And so I think in 2012 and such, it was, well, is there going to be Islamic Jihad presence? I think it's even more insidious in, in the Chinese and their, uh, their, their, not just their spying, but uh, the way they ma- can manipulate American culture through the economy, uh, through what's going down really at the southern border. Seeing that many Chinese nationals infiltrate our border, I think is just as bad as a threat as fentanyl, as the crime that is. Well, I'll just say alcohol. all the
0: chemical precursors that the Chinese send the, that the that arrived at the cartels use to generate or create uh, fentanyl. The it. other thing is uh, there are real uh, needs uh, in America. America's infrastructure, hmm. uh, whether it's roads, rail energy independence that we at one time had under Trump are right. gone. Inner cities are a nightmare. Uh, and, and so that's why this hysteria over Ukraine I get it I understand what the point is but I think the investment in America needs to come first that, that's my point of view yeah um, the other point uh, that I want to get to with you is we're now in a post roe v Wade environment
1: absolutely
0: um, I I think of the number of babies that are saved right? Uh, a 50 year fight finally gets to the point where the tables get turned. There's a lot of lying and a lot of misinformation about the consequences of Roe v. Wade being overturned. Uh, There's a lot of reckless talk about, well, rights are being taken away. First of all, abortion's not a right. Uh, But um, how do you see I, I mean, there's there's a legal question and there's a yeah. the political question. Absolutely right. So give me your views on, on where we are on those, those two
1: fronts. Yeah, there's, so as you say, there's two tracks. And we've been fighting in the state Supreme Courts. Um, everywhere that there's been a state Supreme Court, whether it's uh, South Carolina recently, um, Oklahoma, Kentucky, uh, soon to be Arizona, and Florida. Everywhere that there's been a fight, we've been active in it, uh, filing briefs. Uh, working with the state solicitors general that are actually arguing in favor of their pro-life laws, uh, working with the attorney general that have to defend those laws. And there's varying degrees of success. Um, we have more wins than losses in terms of the state Supreme Court. South Carolina was previously a pretty bad law, where they saw privacy written into their constitution and said that this has to do it didn't but said that this has to do with abortion uh, having their state supreme court now reverse that so a strong win in what was previously a legal track that was going to be a loss uh, so on the legal front i think we're, we're right where we need to be uh, allowing uh, states to uh, make the separation between Uh, this idea that there's a constitutional right to abortion found within their state constitutions. I think that's strong. On the political front, we aren't as successful as we will be. Certainly not in a good posture right now. I think every time that it's gone to a direct vote, uh, just recently in Ohio, teeing up this vote to their constitution, I think every time it's gone to a direct vote to the citizens, we've lost the issue. Numbers like 60 to 30. Uh, So it is still a lot to do on the political front. Don't
0: you think that's really a, a public information or a public education question? It,
1: it, a, it absolutely is. And it's a, you know, finger in the air, test the wind sort of question. Uh, the hysteria that followed from the Democrats, organized hysteria uh, f- from from the baby killers pushing abortion really caught up a lot of folks. The, the mis-narrative uh, really convinced a lot of people that if, if they take away this right, they'll take away other rights. And so you see as many times as it's gone to the polls uh, that we haven't been victorious. Um, but it's sort of like the uh, segregation or the slavery argument. You, know, you don't uh, test the wind and build policy off of it. You, you build policy off of what is principled. You know, The right to life that is found in the Constitution, Declaration of Independence that talks about life. You build policy off of what's principled and culture will catch up to it no lie can live forever i don't think abortion can sustain a freedom-loving american it can't sustain uh the recent scientific exposure that we see as to what actually is going in the womb it's not going to sustain generations of generations of people seeing babies being formed and realizing that yes uh, governors and, and state legislatures can do more to make adoption more accessible can give mothers prenatal care Give them maternity care after the fact, so that they're more confident about being, bringing babies into the world. Right. Uh, so, so I think you'll see culture say, "Well, since it is a killing, we're not there yet." But I think culture will move to the point of saying, that "Since it is a killing, what can we do to to make sure that that life, if it's brought into the world, is better supported?" And so it may take a little longer than what we anticipated, but I think culture will ultimately get to that point of respecting life.
0: There are so many strong arguments that can be made. And of course, like you said, science is a big part of it because, uh, you know, there's technology, there's cernograms that, you know, look, right. listen.
1: Exactly right. Make up
0: your mind. Is that a, a real life? It's a little human being, but is it a real life, little human being? Exactly sure, right. it's got a heartbeat and all kinds of, you know. yeah. That's a very compelling example. Um, the left tries to turn it into uh, the victimized woman, woman being further victimized, and yeah. uh, and that's like you know, that's half the narrative. That's half the story. Um, you know, there, I remember seeing this you don't see them too often now, but I remember the old bumper sticker. You know, abortion, one dead, one wounded. Right, hmm. um, and there, there, there is never an adequate explanation, in right. my view. Or not never—that's too strong a word. There's rarely an adequate explanation of the consequences for the woman
1: Absolutely. who, in
0: dire circumstances, makes this decision. Uh, and then there's very little discussion. Okay, well, now what?
1: Yeah, or, or the uh, the sixty-seven to seventy percent of women asked post Roe, uh, would you? Bring your baby to term if your circumstances are different. And they say yes. And that usually means if the father says that he'd be part of this kid's life, I'd I'd make a difference. Or if my financial situation was different, I wouldn't, you know, terminate this life. And, you know, at a bare minimum, you know, women do now have, have always have nine months to prepare uh, from when they find out that they're pregnant to uh, actually giving birth. And you can, you can make great strides in supporting a woman, giving, a better outcome or situation for her in those nine months if that is offered to her. And over 70% of the time women say that if, if my situation was different, I would bring a baby to term. And I I, I think that's that's sort of what we need to harp on and, and see if we can make those fixes, whether it's policy-wise or culturally, uh, to to get more lives born and, and make it easier for individuals, women that are carrying children uh, to give birth.
0: That's the domestic issue. Yeah. Internationally, The Biden administration is pushing abortion like mad everywhere they possibly can. And then the other track of their fixation is not just uh, abortion, but they uh, are harping on and driving the whole LGBTQ plus, et cetera, whatever, uh, gender identity, gender ideology. And they're doing it uh, in in an extraordinarily aggressive way to countries overseas and not just... I don't know that you're allowed to say third world anymore. Yeah. Developing countries, not just places in remote areas, but in very sophisticated Western European countries, right. they're trying to jam this agenda on people.
1: Some of them don't like it or don't want it. Yeah, the, the African bloc, the Arab bloc, doesn't want this, right? They they'll during the Obama administration and of course repeated now in Biden, where African countries, Caribbean countries are saying, "Keep your money if it comes with these abortion mandates. We we don't want your your abortion-related funds. We also don't want your LGBT-related funds. And there's always a fight in these U.S. embassies flying the pride flag. You know what is perversion? Uh, you know, not just uh, in general uh, the LGBT agenda being perversion, but in these countries, it, it's it's an actual perversion. They realize that it is damaging to this their culture to push a trans ideology. Uh, but here here U.S. is exporting that uh, intentionally placing. I think you told me this intentionally placing ambassadors in countries right. uh, that will offend that country's culture. Uh, America has a lot to offer to this world. Our our sins aren't that. We should not be offering our perversion and our sins to the rest of the world. And it's great to see these African countries and these Arab countries uh, push back and get it and say that we don't want it. And it's
0: really insidious the way they do it because they'll take something that you think is sort of a straight up development package, like right. we're gonna do ag development with irrigation, crop issues, Uh, you know, ag economics, or we're going to do water. We're going to do water. We're going to drill wells and we're going to develop water systems so that you have clean, fresh water and you can use it in your homes or you can use it out in your fields. And somehow or other, they take something like that, which is vitally important in the developing world. And they say, but you got to have abortion. And they say, whoa, whoa, whoa crops and agriculture <laughs> and irrigation and clean water and you're rolling abortion into this yeah. it, and, and it, it, like you said there, i i know this my wife has done international development she's a phd in it she's had leaders come to her and say please yeah. stop we want the water in the wells we want the ag we do not want any part of your social construct yeah. that you're trying to impose on us
1: and, and they get it they, they get that it's damaging for culture I'm glad that we see the trend. It's both, it's both here and abroad, um, the 21 states that have banned uh, transgender surgeries on minors. I think that's an excellent trend uh, that have passed laws. Alabama recently uh, vindicating its state. Um, and, and
0: a topic that did not come up at all last night in yeah. the Republican just completely debate. avoided. They just said, dude, not going to discuss that. Yeah. It's going to come up. Yep. And it's going to see, it'll be a litmus test really for who is... Going to go off on this never never land. It's a boutique ideology that you know, and who's going to say no? We've got you know seven thousand years of recorded history, and th- this is not a part of it. Kind of a approach. So I, I, I think that's that's a strong point.
1: But but yeah, even internationally, you're seeing Western developed uh, states in, in Europe saying you know we're going to put a pause on this. We're going to stop uh, transgender surgeries on minors because it is it is you know it's butchery what they're doing and it's evil. Um, so I think we're, we're starting to see the trend there. I, I hope they do uh, metaphorically throw out the baby with the bathwater, that it was the LGBT agenda that brought all these evils with it um, and certainly peel back and say that we, you know, we cannot tolerate uh, an agenda that is perverse at its core and that, you know, seeks to expand itself by recruiting individuals and by forcing individuals that have Religious oppositions to it or just cultural oppositions to it forcing them through the threat of law uh, to buy into something that they otherwise don't believe in
0: That's a huge part of it is that it's not There was a time when okay, I don't believe or support what you're doing But that's your decision and I'm not a part of it. So go do what you want to do and leave me alone That, that was a Circumstance or state of affairs at a certain point but the opposition pushing back has become so militant that they're demanding that you embrace and celebrate Celebrate, uh, their personal behavior, conduct, decisions, uh, and then complain if you pay attention. So they jam it in your face and say, you must praise us for the decisions we've made with our lives. But if you say, hey, wait a minute, why are you doing this? Yeah. Well, then you're a hater.
1: Yeah, why, why so, which, it, which way is it? <laughs> why, you know? why is this, you know, yeah, I'll take you at your face value. I'll just read the books that you're putting in my library and say, hey, we don't really want that. Whoa, whoa, what's, you're, you're encroaching into our space now. Like, no, you, you invited us in. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's public domain. This is an area of a culture that we all have to deal with. Um, but you're absolutely right. As soon as we do engage and they realize that the trend is not in their favor, then it's like, no, no, no. Then you're a hater.
0: Right. Yeah. Uh, what are you working on now? What are you interested in coming up on the horizon? Give me sort of a sense of what's yeah, was, what's hot for I was, you. I was
1: glad to see education come up quite repeatedly in the debates. I think there's there's such a trend of parents realizing that they need to have a, a stronger hold on their child's education. Uh, Liberty Council has developed a full comprehensive curriculum uh, that we're now able to to share both in home and in school settings, supplementing curriculums uh, around the nation. We've also fought in courts for uh, child evangel- evangelism fellowships. So these are good news clubs to be uh, in school settings. It's uh, about 200 times we've had to go to court in order to retain the presence of the gospel of Jesus Christ within school. So both on uh, taking ownership of education, empowering parents to, to be the educators for their children, and also... In these uh, public school settings, we've we've had a, a good approach to how we're uh, redeeming education in this country. So I, I think that's some of the exciting parts of our job. Of course, you know, every day our phones are, are still ringing with folks that are uh, having uh, religious liberty issues, whether it's, uh, you know, a city official putting pressure on... Uh, an individual to adopt something, or not allowing them to have public participation based on their faith. Every day, we're still getting getting calls on that front, um, but we're optimistic. I mean, I'm very encouraged that we still have an active voice in this culture. And I'm, I'm talking about our firm here, an active voice in this culture and that there are many supporters. There are many more people that believe the same way we do uh, that are just waiting for good, strong leadership. Um, and we're happy we're, you know, we're, we're equipped to sort of fill in that gap.
0: Yeah, there was a term that goes back several decades now, but there was a term used aptly, the silent majority. Right. right? Absolutely. There are many, 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 many people out there, whether they're individuals, families, uh, who agree with uh, the principles and the foundational fundamental beliefs that Liberty Council believes in, that Traditional Watch believes in, that we both fight for in our own ways, um, but they're just, they're overlooked. Right. They're not accounted for, they're not engaged with, uh, but they're there. Their, their chance to express themselves is on election day. Right. That's what it really comes down to. And there's a whole lot of people with loud megaphones talking over and past them, but they really are the silent majority. Yeah. And uh they believe in God and they believe in their family and they believe in their community. And it's really bedrock Americana. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I and I just I trust and pray and believe that those are the people that will turn out that will continue to support Liberty Council, and support tradition watch. You know, God bless America is what is really yeah. what this really is about. And uh and they need to show up on election day and they need to participate and be part of the solution and not say, oh, well, that's for somebody else right. or that's later. Or it's not somebody else and it's not later. It's you and me and yeah. the folks watching and listening. And it's right now. Absolutely. It really is right now. Yeah, There's so no other time to, to put it off. Jonathan, thank you so much for coming in and thanks, joining Brian. us. We really appreciate your time. And uh, thank, thanks to all of you for joining us uh, on, uh, on Watch. We look forward to having uh, additional shows. Please be sure to subscribe and uh, let your friends and family know about this podcast, whether you're watching us on uh, one of the platforms out there or listening to us uh, via podcast as an audio podcast. Uh, Be sure to share this podcast with your friends. Let them know we've got great conversations like this and many more to come. I'm Chris Farrell on Watch.
1: Thanks for listening to Chris Farrell's On Watch podcast. For more
0: information, visit www.judicialwatch.org because no
1: one is above the law.